For those maybe not as familiar as others, this church has lost two men in the last, well, within five days of each other. Lewis Weeks at 86 and Douglas Taylor at 96. And although not a part of this church, Amy's grandfather, Leon Tarter, at 98 a few days ago. Those events have weighed very heavily on me. Those three men had several things in common. Two of them, the older two, were on the tail end of what we call the greatest generation. And that generation's about gone. And for those of you who are at the funeral, I'm not going to repeat myself, so don't get worried. But I really used to think they were called the greatest generation because they lived through the Great Depression. They fought World War II. But what I have come to realize, I believe, by knowing a few of them and knowing a few of them well, is that certainly played a part into who and what they were But if they were great, it's because they knew and followed the greatest man. All three of these were a model for how we should live. None were perfect. None were without fault. But all three knew the Lord and strived in their way to do what he'd have them do. And they all three did it differently. Brothers and sisters, I tell you today, our world is in desperate need of men. I'll go ahead and say, I'll just for those who listen a few years at my trial. There are two sexes, male and female. And today I want to talk about men. And so, little ones, boys, and men, I want you to listen very closely to me, very closely. I want you to pay particular attention to today. And women and young girls, I want you to understand and listen to very closely. This is not a message just for men. I'm going to preach out of 1 Corinthians. And the first part of that chapter makes it very clear that Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Corneth, and that includes men and women. And women, I'm not trying to slight you. You are vital 
you raise boys to become men. Whether they're your, your own or another's, you have a major impact. And as we grow to become men, ladies, you temper us. Men can have a tendency to get ahead of themselves sometimes. And a good woman will support when right and maybe pull back a little when right too. So don't think that I'm not talking to you all today too. And I want you to understand that. I want you to think in a nuanced fashion. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Satan, the evil one, has perverted in our society what it means to be a man. We hear the phrase toxic masculinity. So it's not good to be a man. And all you have to do is look at any of the media today, whether it's a movie or whether it's a television show, whatever it is, and who is the man and who is the father? He's the bumbling idiot. Is the coward. The roles have been reversed. This is why I said I want you to think in a nuanced way. I'm not being sexist. I'm being truthful. There are attributes and things that men should be and men should do. And those have become confused in our culture. And I think I know whose fault that is. It's our fault. Because as men, we have either been absent our roles or in many cases abusive of our roles. Neither of those are okay. And because we, for generations, have failed to live up to what God has called us to do, People don't understand what it is that we are supposed to do. If you're never around something that works the way it should, you have no use for it. And if you're only around the things that work in the way they shouldn't and are dangerous, you don't want to be around them. Maybe this is a little political, I don't know. Think about Guns for a minute. We're a country church. We can talk about that, right? Maybe this example will make sense. It seems to me that the people who are most fearful of guns have either never been around them and therefore don't understand or have been the victim of an improper usage. And so the analogy that I'm trying to make today is, men, we have messed up because we have either been absent and therefore women don't see the need for us. Or we have abused our authority and our role and therefore women are fearful of us. And therefore the desire is for us just to not exist at all because we're either ineffective and unuseful or we're abusive. Not to be that way. It's our fault. Paul planted the church in Corneth. Let me get back to the scripture before I go too far. 
But the church had problems. The church ignored Paul's doctrine. We like to think about the early church. And I've just been preaching about the early church all year. But listen, this early church had some problems. They ignored the doctrines that Paul preached and they got themselves into trouble. They were spiritually immature. They couldn't resolve their own internal conflicts. They argued with one another. They were not unified. They, they, they were split on who they were going to follow and what they were going to do. And they, were in, they embraced pagan philosophy and pagan religion and even began to worship idols. So Paul wrote them a letter, two letters. I'm going to read it to the first one today. A very lengthy letter telling them and giving them wisdom, reminding them of the doctrine and trying to teach them the proper way to live. Let me read the first part of what he wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He reminds them and he says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able to bear. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and not walking as men? Paul levels a deadly accusation against them. And I want us to listen to that today. Let me read this in a different translation. I'm very serious when I say I want the young ones to pay attention to me. Maybe this will help you understand. However, brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as spiritual people, but only as to worldly people, those who were dominated by their human nature, mere infants of the new life in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready to receive it. Even now you are still not ready. You are still worldly, controlled by your ordinary impulses and sinful captivity. For as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, you are not spiritual. And you are not walking like ordinary men. So Paul continues to teach them doctrine, to correct the misbeliefs. And then he brings his first letter to a close. And we see in chapter 16 where I'll spend most of my time today. First Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. In the midst of his goodbye, in the midst of his instruction... In 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I want to spend a few minutes talking about those simple instructions. And if you didn't understand some of those words, We're going to help you out because you need to understand. First thing he says is to be watch, to watch, to be on guard, to be alert. We see this instruction over and over again in Scripture. 
Let me read two examples. Matthew 22 and 42 says, So be alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. We don't know when God will be here, and we do not know when He will take you. The three men I mentioned this morning were given very long lives. But it was only about less than a year ago that a very young man at Providence Christian lost his life well before he expected to. We do not know when God will require us, nor when he will return. And our charge is to be watchful, to be observant, to be alert during the time that we're here. 1 Peter 5 and 8 explains it this way. It says, be sober, be alert, and cautious at all time. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, be firm in your faith. So maybe you're not really worried about losing your life. Maybe some of us are young and think we have a long time. And that very well could be. Somebody asked me, what Leon died from. I said he was 98. He didn't die from anything other than his body wearing down. And Doug's the same way. And to my understanding, Lewis as well. We may have a long time in this life or we may have a short time in this life, but however long we have, we are to be alert. We are to be on guard. We are to be watchful for these things. So as is my tradition, let me begin by asking a few questions. What are you watching? What are you watching? What are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your eyes? What are you listening to? What are you paying attention to? What are you on guard for? Or are you asleep? What are you guarding? That word means to be alert and it also means to be on guard. What are you guarding? Are you guarding only your image? Are you guarding only your money? What are you guarding? We must be on watch. We must be awake. But hear me, not woke. Verse 13 continues. Stand fast in faith. It's very important we read that together. Stand fast in the faith. Well, it seems oxymoron. What does it mean to stand and then do something fast? To stand firm. To be grounded in the truth. To know what you know. To know the doctrines. To understand the faith. And to stand at all costs against anything that might sway you opposite. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 6. 
when I think about standing firm. And four times it says for us to stand. Let me read that to you and I'll emphasize it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about you with truth and the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation <coughs> Excuse me, and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit be, and watching... Therein too, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Understand, men, that we are to wear the armor of God, but who fights the battle? It is not me. I would fail. God asks us to stand. He tells us four times. All we're to do is to get ready and stand. And when you've done all to do, all you can do to stand, just keep standing. Stand in the firm gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand in the mystery. He gives us more advice. He says, watch. He says, pray. Speak boldly of the mystery of Jesus Christ. We are simply as men to stand in the faith, not stand in my own strength, not stand in my own knowledge, but stand in my faith in who Jesus is. The first Psalm gives us great advice. Listen closely. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. This gives us tremendous advice, men and young boys. Who are you standing with? Who are you sitting with? Who are you hanging out with and spending your time with? Now, if we only wanted to ever do that with each other, we'd have to leave the world. And God has not called us to leave the world. He's called us to be here. So, yes, we will be with others and we will be with others when they do things they shouldn't. But our job is to stand for what is right and not make it a habit of standing or sitting or being with other men who do not understand the word of God and who act contrary to it and are wicked. We must flee from that and stand for God. Who are you allowing to influence you? In Exodus 20 and 14, we see a beautiful image. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. See, when their back was literally against an army and a deep sea, 
Moses just said, stand still, everybody, and see what God will do for you. He didn't ask him to fight at that moment. He just said, stand and let God work. And men, we should stand on the principles of God and let God be the one who does the work. Are you standing? And are you trying to stand with your own strength? Because if you're depending upon yourself, you're not going to stand very long. Now comes to my favorite part. Quit you like men. What a phrase is that? Boy, now we're getting into some old English. We have to explain it, don't we? Because it sounds really weird. Quit? You're supposed to quit being men? It's the opposite of that. And I said I wanted to read this in some ways that help our younger folks understand. But you know what? You could say be courageous. You could say be brave. You could say be valiant. You could say act like a man. And I will say all those things. But brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me. When it says quit you like men, it means to act. It means to conduct yourself in a specific way. To quit something in Old English means to act a certain way. And what this is telling us, it's in an active tense. It's not saying do something in the past. It's not saying no about what it means to be a man. It says actively to be a man. And the Bible assumes we know what they're talking about. Here's the question. Do we anymore? Or have we allowed the corruption of the world to teach, to teach us what they say it means to be a man? He doesn't go on to explain. He doesn't have to in that time because they knew what it meant to be a man. We have to know today. We have to act like men. You could go so far to say that acting like a man is to have a Christian virtue in it. Are you acting like a man? Men, I'm looking at you. Or are you acting like a little boy? Ask yourself. Answer for yourself. Are you acting like a man and what a man does? Or are you acting like a silly little boy? No offense, little boys. You'll get there. Be strong. Be strong. Douglas was really strong. You shook the man's hand, you knew. And the last times he sang was up here. Up here were the last times he sang. I don't know that I intended to sing with him. But boy, he grabbed my belt to steady himself. I can barely sing. He squeezed so tight. All of y'all know that. Douglas was physically a man. He was strong in what he did. But he was strong spiritually. Now I skipped a verse in Ephesians if you're still there. Right before we hear about the whole armor of God and right before we hear about standing, in verse 10... Ephesians 6 and 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. See, we're not talking about our physical strength. Some men are stronger than others. 
Some men can do things that other men can't. That's fine. We're talking about spiritual strength here. We're talking about knowing the truth, standing for the truth, and being strong in the truth. Joshua 1.9, we get over and over again reminded that God tells Joshua, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, if we'd only really realize that. When we stand, it's in God's strength, not our own. We can only be as strong as we depend on the Lord. Now, for those of you who weren't at the funeral, I want to share something with you. About a year ago, we thought Doug was going to leave us. And he rallied in his physical strength and stayed a little bit longer. But Brother Bobby came to see him. And Douglas looked at Bobby and said, Son, I'm leaving soon. I want you to keep it going with godly men. I want you to keep after everyone. I want to see my family in heaven one day. And Bobby looked at him and said, Pa, I don't know that I can fill those shoes. I don't know that I can do that kind of work. And Doug replied, Son, right there is your problem. Get out of the way and let God do the work. Just be available. We cannot do this work in our own strength. We are to stand. We are to be like men. We are to be on watch. We are to be strong. But we are to let God do the work through us. And Douglas understood that. And he told his grandson, let God do the work. And so today, we must let God do the work. Are you strong? Are you getting stronger? What are you getting stronger in? Now, that would be a fine sermon, I guess, so we could conclude there, but it's not done. Because there's another verse that I want to talk about. So back in 1 Corinthians, verse 14, he continues, Let all your things be done with charity. Charity is another old English word that means love. Let everything be done in love. And I want to point something out real quick. Something the world gets confused all the time. Strength and courage and being a man is not separate from love. They're connected. This isn't a command for men to be men and women to love. It's a command for men to be men and to love in everything that they do. If you knew Doug, you knew what? That he loved you. 
man that always liked it when he called you out on something, but he loved you. I knew Amy's grandfather for 24 years. <laughs> Long enough and young enough, I tell this to, his, to her family, that might as well have been mine. Forming my opinions around 17 years old, I watched, I watched, and I knew that he loved his family, his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. I knew that he loved everyone that was around him and strove to do what was right, and you could see it. Oh, there was strength. Oh, there was courage. Oh, there was all those things that you describe a man, but there was love for other people and love for his Lord. So let us not have any ideas. That's why, again, I go back to let's think in a nuanced way about this. I'm not saying that we should all be hawking men who do nothing but fight and whatever. I'm saying that we have to be men who in everything that we do love each other and love those who we have cared over. Philippians 1.27 Only lead your lives in a manner that will be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you that you are, here it is again, standing firm in one spirit and one purpose and with one mind striving side by side for the gospel. Men, everything you do should be done with love. Doesn't mean you won't discipline. Doesn't mean you may not be harsh. Doesn't mean you always get it right. But strive for love in the Lord. I told you this would be a minute, so we're not done yet. For those who were here, I want to talk about a few things. This could go on for weeks. I promise it won't. Men and boys, listen to me. We have choices. What you choose to do, what you choose to think about, how you choose to act are yours to choose. God, in almost all circumstances, will never force you. This is up to you. These are things I'm going to list that can be developed. If you lack in one of these areas, you can get better at it. If you need help in one of these areas, then you can go to God for help and you can look to other men to encourage you. Strength. Physical and spiritual. We should be strong. Not just so we can open the jars in the kitchen. But to be strong spiritually. We should have courage. Courage is different than strength. 
Just saw that and what God told Joshua. Courage. I saw an explanation of courage I thought was very interesting. Courage has to some degree is a reflection of what we're motivated by. We should encourage other men to beware, to be here. It's important that you're here. Oh, it might be that you're courageous and that you're the only family member who's willing to come before the Lord. But we should strive men to be such a strong representation for the Lord that someone has to have courage not to be. Does that make sense? They should think, why is everyone else going to church? Why is everyone else doing X? Why are all these men doing what they should be doing and I'm left back here? We should together be courageous in what we do and do it together side by side, just like you would in a military battle, right? Going forward and let everyone else see that we're going forward into the unknown, into the world, courageous together and let everyone follow behind us. We should have character. Character. I said about Doug, and I've heard this before, character is what you do when no one's looking. What you do when no one's looking. I was young when I heard that, but it stuck with me ever since. True character is what you do when no one's looking. I've had many opportunities in 41 years to do things that I shouldn't do. And there's been a few times that I've done them. I'm not perfect. But there has been more than a few times that that has rung true in my ear when I've had opportunities when no one else is around and I've thought to myself, no, character is what I'm going to do even when nobody sees me and nobody will ever find out. Your character, though, is the sum, the totality of your dispositions, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. It's the essence of who you are. Who are you? It's something you choose and it's something you develop. Choose well and always develop. Another manly characteristic is a warrior. A warrior knows how to fight and when to. This is actually important. Men, you need to know how to fight physically. And you need to have the wisdom to know when you should. You need to have the knowledge to be a warrior and to fight spiritually and to know when you should and how. Men, you should be a provider physically and spiritually for those you have care over. You should provide for them. Men, you should be a protector physically and spiritually over those you have care over. Sure, you should provide, but you should also protect. Men, you should work. I've noticed something about work. Other than it's a four-letter word. 
But if you notice all the way back at the beginning, you don't have to turn there. God made a perfect world and he put man in it. And what did he tell man to do? Take care of it. There was work before there was toil. When sin entered the world, we started sweating by our brow and it did not become fun. It did not become pleasurable. It did not become enjoyable. But brothers, listen to me when I tell you, we should be working. We should be doing something. Maybe you've retired from what you did. That's fine. Do something. Do something besides work the remote. It can be little things. You have to work. And you have to work because you have to have, here's something else, purpose. Purpose. Why are you here? Why are you alive? Why have you been given what you've been given? Well, I have two broad answers. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, of your strength, and all your mind. That's your purpose. When everything else falls away, that's your purpose. Number two, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Goes back to that work one. We should strive for excellence in everything that we do. Why? Because we reflect who God is. As believers, we should love Him in whatever we do, whether that's raising a family, whether that's going to school, whether that's going to a job, whether that's serving in the church building, whatever our hand finds to do, we should do it with all our might, is what the book of Ecclesiastes tells us. We should do it well. Men, we should be leaders. We've certainly failed at that one, haven't we? Scriptures tells us that the good shepherd lay down his life for his sheep. Are you willing to die for the ones you love? Are you willing to die for the church? Are you willing to die for your family? If you are, then you certainly should be willing to lead them. Financially, spiritually, morally, we must be leaders. And for so long, we have abdicated. That means given up our rightful role as leaders. We no longer see it as required. And we have forced women to step into that role. That is shameful on us. And again, let's be nuanced here. I'm not speaking ill of women. Understand what I'm saying. Men, we should be like Christ. We should be like Christ, the perfect model. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We can learn a lot from that. Men, young boys, listen. Find a godly man as an example who was following after Christ and follow after them. That's what Paul said to do. David says in Psalm 63, my soul follows hard after thee. Are we following after Christ? What have you chosen? What are you developing? 
Are you choosing the right skills? Are you choosing to do the right things? Are you developing the things that will make you into a strong man of character? One who's a warrior, one who does his work, one who knows his purpose, one who leads others spiritually and physically and emotionally. Who do we do this for? Let me start small and work my way out. We do this for ourselves because it should be the nature of who we are. When no one else is looking, I should be like a man because I am a man. We should do this for our family, young or old. We should stand for our family. We should do this for our church. I was struck when we talked about all the things that Doug did. You see, I came after he was getting a little too feeble to do many of what he'd done for years. What I kept hearing was if the doors were open, he was here. And I would even probably add to that, if the doors were open, it's probably because he was here. When he needed new floors, what did he do? He did it. When he needed physical work around the church, what did we do? He did it. Let me be really clear. Where is the next Doug? We need that for our body of believers. I'm not saying we don't have it. But it has to be developed. It has to be chosen to devote your life to the body of believers that God has led you to. We must develop that skill in the young. We must make sure it's strong in the old. We must make sure we choose to make the work of the Lord our priority in our life. And Doug was a model of that. We must do it for those who are weaker. We must protect the weak. Protect the widowed. Protect those who need protecting. The scripture makes this abundantly clear. We must have these attributes and these characteristics for our community. Now, I chose community over country because sometimes we have a little too much of worship of our government and our country. I tell you what, You come try and hurt my family and my community. I'll find out just how much of a man I can be. My great uncle. Died on the beaches of a far-flung island in the Pacific. To protect his community. And Amy's grandfather landed on the third day of D-Day. He's supposed to land on the first, and that's a good story for another day. But that also means that willing to protect those who were weaker, he crawled over the bodies of those who died before him and fought from hedgerow to hedgerow and door to door all the way to Germany 
liberating prison camps along the way. Men, we have to have that inside of us when it's necessary. We have to protect our community and protect those who are weak. And most of all, we have to do this for the Lord because God requires it. He made you to be a man and that's what you're supposed to be. If for no other reason, you could look at me and say, look, I don't have a lot of family. I don't know what to do in the church. There's no one I have to go fight physically. Then do it for God. Choose to develop the manly, essential skills that you should have. Do it for God. Quit you like men. That was used once before in Scripture. In 1 Samuel 6. I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 4. You know who it was used by? The enemies of God. Bear with me. I'm going I'm to close soon, I promise. I told you, be a minute. The Philistines had gathered to fight the Israelites. And the Israelites had fallen away from following after God. They'd followed after two men who were being disobedient to God. Be careful who you follow. They were weak because God had left. And the Philistines come before them, but they're afraid of the Israelites because the Israelites have the Ark of the Covenant. The very presence of God. But God wasn't going to help them this time. They line up for battle. The Israelites bring out the ark. A shout goes up and screams, and the Philistines begin to be scared and tremble, saying, what is going on? And their commanders say to them, (coughs) verse 7, And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp, when they heard the cries. And they said, Woe unto us! There has not been such a thing before. Woe unto us! Who shall deliver us out of the hands of these gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Then it comes in verse 9. Be strong hmm. and quit yourselves like men. O ye Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. See, even the heathen world, even the lost world knows when it's time to be a man, you have to be a man. When it's time to fight, be committed to being a man and standing for what you should do and fight. Why were they saying to them, be a man? Because they didn't want to be slaves. Tell me it's different today. You want to avoid being a slave to the world? Be a man. You want to avoid being a slave to yourself? Then be a man. You want to avoid being a slave to the evil one? Then be a man and stand like a man. You must act like a man. There is no alternative. There is no other way. And even the pagans and the heathens understood this. And one last example. David. 
King David, the warrior poet. Oh, he could write beautifully. Now, I understand the word of God is the inspired word of God, but I think God put a special ability in David's heart. David wasn't so much of a man that he couldn't write in a way that still takes her breath away. He was a man after God's own heart. Wasn't perfect, just striving for it. David was around 14 years old. There's another battle going on with those Philistines again. And the armies lined up on either side for at least 40 days, probably a few more. Every morning they'd all come out, they'd all line up next to each other and yell at each other. And Goliath, the huge man, would come out and challenge them. Anyone who can beat me will all give up and be your servants. Goliath was a big guy. And apparently there weren't many men because no one had the courage to do it. So David's father says, go feed your brothers. Send him along the way. David's young. Around 14. Fairly accurate. A little bit of math. We know about how old he was when he became king. Can count back a little bit. About 14. 13 to 15 years old. We'll just say 14. 14 years old, he's sent to take his brother's food and he shows up after at least 40 days of this taunting and he listens to it and he says the most amazing thing ever. Is there not a cause? All the other men, oh, they stood shoulder to shoulder, but they were scared. And David was the only one who looked to all of them and said, what are you doing? Is there not a cause to go out and fight this man who is not just a physical battle, but who is vilifying and mocking the living God? Is there not a cause? In verse 32, I'm in First Samuel 16, verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. Yeah, 14. That is a man. And so I want to ask you today. Look around the world. Is there not a cause for us to stand like men? Is there not a need in this world, in this church, in our family, and in our lives to choose to develop the skills that make us men? Does the love of God not compel you, as the scriptures say, to be a man? Does not the legacy of those who went before us not compel you to be a man, to walk like they did as they strove to walk after God. And maybe even more simply, does your sense of adventure not compel you to be a man? It's the greatest adventure of life. It's the hardest thing in life to choose to be like a man.
I want to close in an unusual way today. I hope that you have heard what I've told you. And I would like everyone who's a man, I'm sorry, who's male, who's under the age of 14, to come stand down here. Under the age of 14, come on down here. 14 and under, sorry. 14 and under, come on down here. All right. Now that it's out of our system, that's fine. I want you to look. I want you to look. Men, I want you to pay attention at what is standing in front of you. Women, I want you to pay attention to what is in front of you. It is our job to take these boys and make sure they are men so they can take the next generation forward. Now, if you're under 20, I want you to come stand up here with me. I want the men under 20. Now I'm calling you men. Yeah, I'm not afraid to point. <laughs> Boys, I want you to look at those three. <laughs> Men, I want you to look at these. Now, here's what we're going to do next. I want all the men to stand up and stay where you're at. Stand up. You all need to look at these men. And men, I want you to look at them. I want you to be the leaders that God has called you to be. I want you to be the men that God has made you and called you to be. And I want you to live into the lives of these that are younger and help them become the men that they ought to be. Not because you're perfect, but because you strive to do what is right, because you stand, because you love, because you fight, because you're a man. And here's how I want to end. These are going to spread out. And I want all the men to come. Pick one that's younger. And I want us to have a time of prayer. Lay your hand on one of them. Pray for them. Pray for them specifically by name. Pray for them that they would become the men that God wants them to be. Pray that you yourselves would be the leader and the model that God wants you to be. And women, I want you to stay where you're at and I want you to pray for all of these men.
That God will raise up those among us who will stand for the truth, who will know the truth, who will love him with all their life, who will have a purpose, who will know what direction to go and lead us into the future. Because it has to be that way. It is our job. It is our God-given duty to be men. Spread out just a little bit. Come on down. Pick you a young one. And let's have a time of prayer. God, I pray that you'd be with us. God, I pray that you would live into us. God, help us to see your purpose. Help us to know your love. Lord, I pray that you would compel us to be models for these. Lord, help us to stop tripping over ourselves. Lord, help us to stand on your word, to look unto you, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, to stand on the faith that you have given us. Lord, help us to walk a life worthy of the calling that you have given us and help us to teach those who are younger how they should stand. Help us to lift them up. Lord, I thank you for the models that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for Doug. Lord, I thank you for Lewis. Lord, I thank you for Leon. Lord, I thank you that you gave us these men although not perfectly, strove after you. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. Lord, young or old, when we're faced with opportunities to go another way, Lord, I pray that you would prick our hearts, Lord. Lord. Oh, guide us on a straight and narrow way unto you. Lord, may you help us carry on a legacy from man to man. Lord, may we rediscover what it means to be a man. Lord, may we lead in how you would have us to lead. Lord, may we demonstrate what it means to be a man the right way. May we not be absent. May we not be abusive. May we be true men. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, lead us, guide us into all truth that we may know your strength and simply stand and when we've done all we can do to stand just stand on you amen I have said for some time I have quite a concern about the future. Without strong, godly men who can control themselves and lead their families and lead the church and lead the community, we will most certainly fail. So let us, 
as believers, encourage and model and teach the younger ones how to be a man. And if you don't think you're capable, I'm going to leave you with the words of Doug. Son, right there is your problem. Get out of the way and let God do the work. Just be available. Get out of the way. Let God do the work. Just be available. On a very specific note, I wanted you to see each other. Doug was exceptionally good. What was it, Vivian? Maybe you told me identifying talent. Somebody told me that. And developing that talent. Those who have a few years on, it's time we identify it. It's time we help them develop. It's time we show them what to do. That might mean you got to get yourself in order too. We'll all get there together. I hope you saw something. I hope the Lord told you something in your heart and encourages you to not only be a man, but to teach another man how to be a man.